What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license? You lose your job? You total your car? You kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. This Christmas, feel joy, gift joy and send them joy with the perfect gift at Arnott's. Explore an endless array of gifting that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Shop Irish at the Christmas market. Support emerging new businesses with Pitch 22 or find something extra special from one of our world-class brands. Shop in-store and online at arnott's.ie. Chad and Lori Daybell believed that the world would end soon and that they were meant to usher people into a new millennium. When they determined that certain family members were dark spirits, they made sure they wouldn't be joining them. This is Monsters. A family annihilator is someone who sets out to specifically kill their close family members. The most common cases are of men who kill their wife and children. There's a lot of crossover between family annihilators and cases of filicide. In my first season, I covered the case of Michael Wayne Jones Jr., who had killed his wife, two children, and two stepchildren. He was technically a family annihilator. There are cases of women killing their husbands and children, but they're rare. There are also cases of one child killing their parents and siblings, or of one person killing their spouse and their parents or in-laws. These all fall under the label of family annihilators, but the most twisted story I've heard of family annihilators has to be the case of Chad and Lori Daybell. Lori Noreen Cox was born on June 26, 1973, in San Bernardino, California. She had two sisters, Summer and Stacy, and two brothers, Adam and Alexander, who went by Alex. Her parents, Barry and Janice Cox, are active anti-government activists who believe that federal taxes are illegal. Barry wrote a book which he self-published through Amazon's Kindle in 2019. 
The book is called How the American Public Can Dismantle the IRS, and this two-star rated 421-page opus is ranked three and a half millionth amongst other Kindle publications. The description reads, This book, How the American Public Can Dismantle the IRS, is dedicated to the inspired ideals promised to the free people of the United States of America. Our patriot and paladin immigrant ancestors vigorously promulgated and selflessly defended these laws against the imperial British tyrant and despotic government propaganda of King George III in 1775, who more than self their country loved. This book presents critical information for all freedom-loving USA citizens to consider. In order to have truth and justice, it's important to protect our cherished rights that are published in our nation's inalienable Declaration of Independence, U.S. Constitution, Bill of Rights, and the Codes of the United States of America. Foremost, this book debunks the myths of the federal income tax and exposes the illegal origin and evil purpose of the Internal Revenue Service. I purchased the book out of sheer curiosity, so I'm undoubtedly on a list now. Unsurprisingly, Barry and Janice have racked up over $300,000 in back taxes, which they continue to fight. Barry has been ordered to cease and desist in court for offering estate planning services, even though he's not authorized to do so or not certified as a legal document preparer. Probably something else he believes is violating his rights. I think the parents are a key to explain a lot of Lori Vallow Daybell's behavior throughout her life. In 1992, when Lori was 19 years old, she married her high school boyfriend, Nelson Yates, but the marriage was short-lived and the couple divorced soon after. That was husband number one. Then she married William Lagioya on October 22, 1995. The couple lived in Texas, and Lori gave birth to their son, Colby, in 1996. Lori and William divorced in 1998. That was Lori's second husband. Both of these husbands seemed to separate from Lori without incident, and both remained alive. In 1998, Lori's older sister, Stacy Cox Cope, died mysteriously. The cause of death is unknown, as there are almost no details about the death available, but Stacy did have a nine-year-old daughter at the time named Melanie. A man named Joe Ryan moved to Phoenix in 1998 and had never been married or had children. His sister said that he was waiting to find the perfect woman, which he did in 2001 when he was in his early 40s when he started dating his hairdresser, Lori. Even though Lori was only 28 and had two ex-husbands, Joe proposed just months after meeting her. Lori said yes to Joe with one condition, that he convert to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Joe's sister said he wasn't overly religious before, but was more than happy to share Lori's religion with her. The couple got married in Maui the same year. Not long after they married, Lori announced that she was pregnant, and in September of 2002, the couple had a daughter, Tylee Ryan. Joe also adopted Cody, and the family moved to Texas. On August 14, 2004, Lori filed for divorce from Joe. Some said that Joe was a bit of a perfectionist and could blow up easily, but he never physically abused anyone. When Lori realized that she might not get full custody of her kids, she claimed that Joe had been sexually abusing Tylee and Colby. The court had two separate abuse experts investigate the case and both came back with the opinion that Joe had not sexually abused either child. Now, I know you can't just ask a kid if they've been sexually abused and go off that answer, but that's not what these experts do. They look for patterns of behavior. 
patterns of behavior from the children, patterns of behavior from the accused, and patterns of behavior from the accuser. They found that the behavior displayed by Joe and the children didn't match what they would normally see in a relationship between a sexual abuser and his victims. Though Cody had claimed that Joe had sexually abused him, something he still claims to this day, they felt that he was manipulated into believing that by Lori. On top of that, Lori showed many behaviors that were consistent with people who lie about a spouse committing sexual abuse of their children. When they were done with their investigation, they both believed that Lori was lying about the abuse in order to gain full custody of their children. Could they have been wrong? Absolutely, but their beliefs were reinforced when they submitted their findings to the court and Lori told them, quote, if this doesn't go the way I want, I'll take the kids and go to Mexico, end quote. During this time, while living in Texas, Lori met a man named Charles Vallow. Leland Anthony Vallow, who went by Charles, was born in Louisiana on August 17, 1956. He had been married twice before. First, he married a woman named Kimberly in 1984. After Kimberly got pregnant and had a miscarriage, she said that Charles seemed to take it harder than she did. Eventually, the relationship soured and they got a divorce. He then moved from Louisiana to Austin, Texas, where he married a woman named Cheryl Wheeler in 1992. Charles got into sales and was good at it, eventually becoming a very successful businessman. The couple had two sons over 12 years of marriage, as well as adopting one of Charles's grandnephews, but the couple started growing apart and divorced in 2003. Charles met Lori in Texas, and on February 24, 2006, they traveled to Las Vegas, Nevada, and got married. Of course, before Lori would marry Charles, he had to convert to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which he agreed to do. During this time, Charles started having a pretty contentious custody battle with Cheryl, so he may have felt sympathy for this new woman who was also battling her supposedly abusive ex-husband. Despite Lori's threat of fleeing to Mexico, and the court not finding Joe to be a danger to his children, they still only gave him visitation, not joint custody. Lori was supposed to bring the kids to Joe every other weekend, but she didn't. Just days after the judgment, Lori's brother Alex approached Joe in a parking lot, attacked him with a stun gun, and threatened to kill him. Alex was arrested and pleaded guilty to aggravated assault. He was sentenced to 90 days in jail. So just remember, Alex now has a criminal record for attacking and threatening to kill one of Lori's ex-husbands. Just set that off to the side for now, but keep it within arm's reach. In an effort to keep her kids away from Joe, Lori and Charles moved to Arizona, but much to Lori's dismay, Joe followed. By all accounts, Joe seemed to be a good father who only wanted to have a relationship with his daughter and adopted son. Lori continued to violate the custody order and was eventually charged with judicial interference. Cheryl would later say that she thought it was strange that Charles would put up a fight for custody of their children just to up and move to Arizona. She said her sons would travel out to Arizona to visit, and they said that after Charles went to work, Lori would also leave the house all day, though she didn't have a job. The only job that Cheryl had ever known her to have was a hairdresser before she met Charles. In 2014, Charles and Lori adopted a young boy named Joshua Jackson, who went by JJ. JJ was Charles's grandnephew and the second child from that same relative that he would adopt. JJ would go on to be diagnosed with autism. Since the legal system was working in Joe's favor in Arizona, the Vallos packed up and moved to the island of Kauai in Hawaii, someplace Lori knew that Joe wouldn't follow. The couple operated a small juice business on the island for a few years, but moved back to Arizona in 2016. 
the Valos told friends in Hawaii that they weren't able to properly treat JJ on the island. They moved back to Arizona, where Charles bought and trained a black Labradoodle for JJ to use as a service dog. The dog, Bailey, became JJ's best friend, and the two were inseparable. Chad Daybell and Tamara Douglas, who went by Tammy, were both from Springville, Utah. Chad was born on August 11, 1968, in Provo, Utah. Springfield is just outside of the Provo area. Chad claims that he had a near-death experience while cliff jumping when he was 17 years old. In the book he wrote about the experience in 2017, titled Living on the Edge of Heaven, he says that he crossed over into another dimension and realized there was a world beyond this one. He said he had another near-death experience in his early 20s. When he was hit by a huge wave in the La Jolla Cove in California, his spirit left his body and visited with his grandfather. He witnessed future events, including his unborn children. This event caused the veil that separates the mortal world from the spirit world to be lifted, so from then on, he could see into the spirit world. I'm always so curious if people actually believe these things, or if they just make it up to sell stuff. This story of having the veil lifted in order to see the spirit world is great to convince his followers that his books are coming from a place of spiritual connection. If you convince people that your doomsday books come from your ability to see the future throughout the spirit world, it's definitely going to make people who believe in that sort of thing more compelled to read your books. Or is he just mentally ill? Does he suffer from delusions and believes he had an out-of-body experience? We'll probably never know. Tammy was born on May 4, 1970, in Pasadena, California. Her family moved to Springville when she was 13 years old. She loved reading and created her own lending library when she was just a kid. She went to high school with Chad, but they weren't friends at the time. After graduating, Chad went on a Mormon mission for two years in New Jersey. When he returned, he began attending Brigham Young University, where he met fellow alum Tammy. The couple got married on March 9th of 1990 and began a family. They would eventually have five kids, and Chad would start writing fiction based on his LDS beliefs. In 2004, Chad and Tammy started a book publishing company to publish Chad's books. The company was called Spring Creek Book Company. Tammy ran the company and designed all of the book covers. They started out making children's books about LDS teachings, and eventually Chad started writing full novels. He started really cranking them out. He put out over two dozen books in the time they had their publishing company, and five of them were in the first half of 2019 alone. His books all involved people from the LDS religion experiencing the spirit world or dealing with an end-of-time situation. Chad's life eventually began mirroring his books when he claimed to hear voices telling him multiple times that he needed to move to Rexburg, Idaho. The family picked up and moved about four hours north of Springville to a place that Chad claimed to be very important. By this time, Chad believed that he could see the past and the future through the spirit world. He believed that he could remember past lives and see the past lives of other people. Back in Arizona in 2015, Lori started reading Chad's books. The Standing in Holy Places series is a five-book series where a group of saints from around the world battle a coalition force and establish a new Zion in preparation of the second coming of Christ. The series takes a look at the prophesied events that must occur before the Savior's second coming. It's similar to the Times of Turmoil series, a four-book series where natural disasters and bioterrorism nearly collapse the United States. 
A group of saints must battle a coalition force and establish a new Zion in preparation of the second coming of Christ. The series takes a look at the prophesied events that must occur before the Savior's second coming. So, very similar. Lori became obsessed with Chad's books and believed that they had something in common. Lori believed that she too had a connection with the spirit world. She claimed that she was the personal witness of the resurrected Jesus Christ. She had also said that she believed that Tai Lee was the reincarnated spirit of her sister and that a dead man would visit her in her sleep. Lori met a woman named Melanie Gibb who was also a believer in the teachings of Chad Daybell. The women started following a group called Prepare the People. It was a group that believed they needed to prepare the people of this earth for the second coming of Jesus Christ. They claimed to be not affiliated with any church or official church policies, but many of their followers and speakers came from the LDS church. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license? You lose your job? You total your car? You kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. This Christmas, feel joy, gift joy, and send them joy with the perfect gift at Arnott's. Explore an endless array of gifting that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Shop Irish at the Christmas market. Support emerging new businesses with Pitch 22. Or find something extra special from one of our world-class brands. Shop in-store and online at arnott's.ie. In the spring of 2018, Annie Cushing received a call from one of her brothers that said her other brother was dead. He had received a letter from the city of Phoenix, and they were looking for relatives of Joe Ryan to claim his body. Annie suddenly regretted the years she had been out of contact with her brother Joe, obviously not knowing that he would die at 59. It was determined that Joe died of a heart attack, and the death was ruled natural. Unfortunately, Joe's body wasn't discovered for about a month until a neighbor smelled a foul odor. Police did a welfare check and found his decomposing body in his apartment. Annie called Lori and told her the news, but Lori said she already knew. Lori told her ex-sister-in-law that she would have called, but she didn't think she'd care. Annie set her emotions aside and told Lori that she wanted to come visit to see how her niece, Ty Lee, was doing. When she arrived at the Vallow home, Lori had all of these photo albums that had been Joe's. When Annie asked where she got them, Lori told her a story about how an officer let her into Joe's apartment after he died and let her take them. Lori said they were stacked on the floor in his bedroom. Annie initially thought it was unlikely that the police would let her go into the apartment and just take his personal property, but that idea was reinforced when she received copies of the photos that were taken by police the day they found her brother's body. There were pictures of his bedroom, and there were no photo albums stacked on the floor. There weren't any photo albums anywhere in the apartment. Annie was sure that Lori had taken those photo albums before Joe's body was discovered. Annie also noticed that Joe had installed a second deadbolt on the door to his apartment. 
She wondered why he would have done that unless he was afraid of something. What was Joe afraid of, she wondered. It would be revealed later that only an external autopsy was performed and that Lori had an insurance policy on Joe for anywhere between $100,000 and $150,000. Annie believed that Lori was involved in Joe's death in some way, but years later police would reopen the case and in 2021, they closed the case again claiming that Joe died of natural causes. In the fall of 2018, Lori, her friend Melanie, and Lori's niece, Melanie Boudreau, all attended a weekend-long Preparing the People event where they met Chad. Melanie would later report that after the event, Lori confessed to her that she and Chad were falling in love. Chad had told her that they were both beyond human, exalted, godlike. They shared a secret. They both had led multiple lives. According to Chad, he had lived 31 lives and she had lived 21, all on different planets and different realities. Chad told her that in seven of those lives, she had been his wife. Melanie suggested they get divorces so they could be together, but Lori said they couldn't because the LDS church didn't allow it. Chad and Lori continued to communicate long distance. When Charles went out of town on business at the beginning of December, Chad traveled to Arizona and was a guest on an episode of the Preparing the People podcast with Lori. That night, Chad stayed the night at Lori's house. On January 22, 2019, Chad sent Lori an email that explained that Charles's body had been taken over by a bad spirit named Nick Schneider. Their strange cult beliefs had evolved into people either being light or dark. Light people obviously followed Jesus, and the dark people followed Satan. The dark people, which they would eventually start calling zombies, were actually not those people anymore. A dark spirit had killed the person and taken over their bodies. While Charles was away on a business trip at the end of January, Lori called him and told him that she didn't care about him or JJ anymore, and that she was the reincarnated wife of Joseph Smith. She told him that she was a translated being who cannot taste death sent by God to lead the 144,000 into the millennium. She told him that she would kill him if he got in her way. She explained that she had an angel waiting to help dispose of his body. While on the phone with him, she would only call him Nick Schneider. When he got to the airport to return home, Charles discovered that Lori had canceled his flight, so he had to book another flight home. When he arrived in Phoenix, he went out to the airport parking lot to find his truck was missing. Then he got a ride home, where he was locked out of his house. He eventually called the police and they helped him get into the house. Inside, his clothes, his business laptop, and his son were all missing. When he checked his bank, Lori had taken $35,000 out of his business account. At this point, Charles was worried about Lori's mental health and the safety of her and the people around her especially Ty Lee and JJ. He tried to get the police to place her on a 72-hour psychiatric hold. She took your car. What are you driving now? Uh, a friend of mine's car. Oh, okay, I don't know where cool. my truck is. Okay. She took it. I, don't know. I suspect she took it because she knows where I parked at the airport. I came back to outside and it's gone. What, what All my clothes this? are gone from the house. What, what led up to this? Is there any correspondence that you've had over the last her, couple days with her? Her religious stuff is gone way off the just way off. Yeah. And it's, it's, if you don't agree with her, you're the opposite. Charles made the mistake of going into Lori's car and stealing her purse. He used her phone to contact her friends and family about the condition of her mental health. 
When Lori went to the police station regarding the mental health evaluation, she talked about how Charles stole her phone, and she's easily able to gain the sympathy of the officers. I don't know, and I'm not going to take sides, right, no, but no, just talking to you, I mean, I don't see you being a danger to yourself or anybody else. You got your kids to school. Right. I don't know, but I'm not going to play sides. I'm just going to let you know that we are required, if you're here, that we will, even against with fours if we have to, right. if you're still here when it's approved, um, we'll have to take you to CDI. Yeah. Okay. And what is it called? So I'm just gonna write it Community down. Bridges. Okay. That's where we take you. Now, I don't know who he went through to get the order taken care of. That's what I'm saying. How do you even get that? He got that in the middle of the night? How do you get something in the middle of the night? It's family members can do it for other ones who have, like, drug dependency or not getting help, <laughs> mental you, health Yeah, but how issues. would he get here to come here? Isn't it stuff closed? It's not It's not here. There, there are places you can go. So... How would you think of something? I don't know. That's, I don't okay, know. Sorry. So, it's okay. Yeah, Lori, mental health emergencies happen 24 hours a day. They have places that are prepared to deal with that. An officer talked to her while a sergeant was going over the case, making a decision as to whether or not they'd put Lori on a psychiatric hold and take her to a facility called Community Bridges. She talks about Charles stealing her phone. He calls everybody on my phone, so now he has phone access to all my yep. friends, and he's calling hmm. them all to tell yeah. how crazy I am and whatever, because he got wow. sent. And this is just a recent thing? Has he done this before, or like? This is in like twenty-four hours. Like, or he's done. Um, he's yeah. done. Like, like, has he done this before? before? Yeah. But this whole not this extreme. No. But he's been ballistic where we had to leave because he was being awful, and I don't want yeah. him to hurt one of the kids or something. Probably three or four times that I can remember. Yeah, thirteen oh. years. Yeah. Okay. Tylee is with Lori, and of course she supports her mother. Many people believe that she was manipulated by her mother, but eventually started to see too much and became a liability. The police sergeant and the staff at Community Bridges determined that Lori was not a danger to herself or anyone else. On February 8, 2019, Charles filed for divorce from Lori, at the same time taking his lawyer's advice of removing her as the beneficiary of his life insurance. He also filed for an order of protection from Lori, citing a genuine concern for his safety. His divorce petition, where he's referred to his father and she is referred to his mother, read, Mother has recently become infatuated, at times obsessive, about near-death experiences and spiritual visions. Mother has told father that she is sealed or eternally married to the ancient Book of Mormon prophet Moroni and that she has lived numerous lives on numerous planets prior to this current life. Mother also believes that she was married to James the Just in a past life and also lived as Mary French in the 1800s, who was Joseph Smith Jr.'s natural grandmother. Mother also informed father that she is a translated being who cannot taste death sent by God to lead the 144,000 into the millennium. Mother believes that she is receiving spiritual revelations and visions to help her gather and prepare those chosen to live in the New Jerusalem after the Great War, as prophesied in the Book of Revelations. On January 29, 2019, during a phone conversation between the parties and after their physical separation, Mother informed Father that she was a god assigned to carry out the work of the 144,000 at Christ's second coming in July of 2020, and that if Father got in the way of her mission, she would murder him. 
The 144,000 people referenced by Lori are drawn from the Book of Revelation. Latter-day Saints believe the 144,000 are high priests who will administer the everlasting gospel to the world in the last days. Just two days after Charles filed for divorce, Lori vanished for 58 days and didn't tell anyone where she went. She sent Tylee and JJ to stay with relatives, but didn't reveal why or where she was going. There was evidence uncovered that she spent at least some of that time in Hawaii. When Lori returned from her mystery trip, Charles told his lawyer that he wanted to withdraw his divorce petition because he was going to try to work it out with her. His lawyer wished him well, but said in an interview that he thought it was a bad idea. I agree. How do you try to work it out with someone who is that delusional? She believes that people are turning into zombies by being taken over by dark spirits. She believes she's the reincarnated wife of Joseph Smith and believes the second coming of Jesus will happen in July of 2020. Newsflash, the second coming didn't happen in July of 2020. I wonder what type of mental gymnastics Lori performed in August of 2020 to convince herself that she isn't crazy. Melanie recalled that Lori started talking about how Ty Lee was becoming a zombie. She told her friend that she believed Ty Lee actually became a zombie when she was 12 or 13, when her attitude started to change. Gee, a girl starting to change her attitude around the age of 12 or 13. I wonder why that could be. Puberty? Hormones? Nah, definitely dark spirits. Do you not know anything about children? Melanie said Lori also started having visions that Charles was going to die. And surprise, surprise, on July 11, 2019, Charles was shot and killed. Was it a botched robbery? Was he caught in the crossfire of a drive-by shooting? No, he was shot in self-defense, that was air quotes there, by her brother, Alex. Alex Cox was also a very serious believer in Chad and Lori's cult. He became her go-to for any time she needed dirty work done. This time, it was to dispose of her pesky husband. Who else is in the, no in the house? Okay, just have a seat right there. Yeah. Let's get FD in here. Yeah. Have a seat. Yeah. You have some ID on you, sir? Yeah. What happened today? How did it get to this? I don't know. He was enraged. Well, what's going on? What happened? Huh? I was talking with my sister earlier. No, what happened today, though? Like, just in the last well, 20 minutes. He came, to, he came at me with a bat. Okay. Was he living here or no. visiting? He came to pick up his son. Okay, is his son inside? No. My sister took him to school. Okay, so it was just you at the house? Yes. And he came, how long, what time did he come to pick up pick up the son? Uh, I don't know, 20 minutes ago maybe. Okay, so you know who he is, let him in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey. No, I think they were talking earlier, then she left, and then he got into it with me. Like what? What do you mean? I don't know. He was, he was accusing me of. Come on over here. That truck's going to be really loud. What was he accusing you of? Uh, he was just yelling at me. Okay. What was he yelling at you about? I told my sister because I'd broken up a tussle with them earlier. And he told me not to interfere anymore with them or I'd pay. And he came at me with a bat. Okay, so he showed up in the house with a bat in his hand? No. Okay, so... There was a scuffle earlier with 
my sister and my niece. My niece got involved. About earlier, meaning earlier this week, earlier no, 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 this morning? No, just this morning, before they left. Before your, your wife left? My sister. Before your sister left? Yeah. Okay, who lives here with you? Nobody. I don't live here. My sister lives here and my niece lives here. And you're and just visiting? I was visiting for the night. Okay, so you're over here visiting your sister and yes. your niece? Yes. Okay, and there was a tussle between your sister and her husband? Yes. And does the husband live here or no? No. Okay. Okay, is he an ex-husband or just current husband? Uh, it's, they're working on that. Gotcha. So at some point earlier today, they get into a some type of domestic? Yeah, just this morning, then they left, and then he came at me. They left meaning who? Both my, of parties? My, yeah, my sister took my niece and my nephew. Okay, so they left. Create some space from him, and then he came at me. Okay, but did he leave also? No. He stayed here? He stayed. The story is already unbelievable. He got into it with me. About what? He was accusing me. About what? He was yelling at me. What was he yelling about? He's not providing a story at first. Then he finally comes up with a story about him breaking up an earlier fight between Charles and Laurie. Where are we you were both in the at? living room. Okay. And then I turned around and he hit me in the back of the head with a bat. So I went to my room and got my gun. So carry it. you went to your room, meaning yeah, the room you're room staying, staying in? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And you brought your, brought a gun yes. with you? Yes. Do you always yes. bring a gun? I have a concealed carry always. Okay. Just to be safe. Hi, who are, are you? Okay, just stand over there for just a second, guys. And then uh, I told him to put the bat down and he wouldn't and he came at me yeah, again. And the wife just showed up as well. Okay. So you told him to put the... Yes. So where are you at? Back and where, where are you at now? Did you stay in your bedroom? No. Okay, why didn't you stay just in your bedroom closing the door? Is that something you didn't think about? Or? It didn't even occur to me. Okay, so walk me through it. So you go back into your room. So I, just, I just went back to the living room. I'm like, what is your problem? With the gun in your Yes. Head. And I said, I want you to put that bat down. And he wouldn't do it. And he's like, you, and he came at me with the bat again after he'd already hit me in the head. So I shot him to stop him. Okay, and then what happened? That was it. I, Supposedly, Charles hit Alex in the back of the head with a baseball bat. Charles was a big guy, and he played baseball. If he had hit Alex in the back of the head with a baseball bat, Alex would not be standing up. A detective said it didn't look like the wound on the back of his head was severe. He said it didn't look like he was struck with an extreme amount of force. So, instead of calling 911, he goes and gets a gun? This would already seem fishy, but then you take into account that Charles had filed for an order of protection from his wife? And oh yeah, that record that Alex had from assaulting and threatening to kill Joe Ryan? How is he not being arrested? Charles's first wife, Cheryl, said that he had never been violent. He had no record of violence, domestic or otherwise. Nobody had ever known Charles to get violent. But even so, the police ruled it self-defense, and Alex was never arrested. Then they talked to Lori, and this was her demeanor. How long have you lived here? Like three weeks. Oh, geez. Yeah, okay. That's why the neighbors don't know us. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> like, hi, neighbor, sorry. Oh, ha ha. My neighbors are going to hate me because my husband was killed here. Hilarious. Then, later, the exact same day that Charles was shot to death in her living room by her brother, Lori threw a pool party at her house. Yay, post-murder pool parties are the best. What better way to relax after a long day of identifying your husband's body than a party out by the pool? You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? 
It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license? You lose your job? You total your car? You kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. This Christmas, feel joy, gift joy, and send them joy with the perfect gift at Arnott's. Explore an endless array of gifting that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Shop Irish at the Christmas market. Support emerging new businesses with Pitch 22. Or find something extra special from one of our world-class brands. Shop in-store and online at arnott's.ie. Investigators would eventually determine a timeline of events that didn't match Alex's story. According to the investigation, Charles arrived at Lori's house at 7.35 a.m. Lori took Charles's cell phone and rental car at 7.49 a.m. and was gone for about an hour. During that time, she went to Walgreens and Burger King. It was determined that Charles was shot inside the home at the same time that Lori left, 7.49 a.m. An autopsy found that he was shot once in the chest while he was standing and one more time after he was on the ground. Alex called 911 at 8.32 a.m., 43 minutes later. While on the phone with 911, the operator was giving Alex instructions on performing CPR, which Alex claimed to be doing. When police arrived, they said that there was no physical evidence that showed Alex had performed CPR. Alex told police on the scene that Lori had left with the children before he got into an altercation with Charles. But when Lori arrived back at the scene, she told police that she left with the kids when she heard a shot. And why did she take Charles's phone? It's absolutely baffling that Alex was never arrested and charged with the murder of Charles Vallow. Once Charles was dead, Lori tried to collect his $1 million life insurance policy, but found out the hard way that she was no longer the beneficiary. Less than a month after Charles' death, Lori put JJ's surface dog up for sale for $2,500. It's not known how much she got for him, but JJ no longer had his best friend. Another firm believer in the cult was Lori's niece, Melanie Boudreau. She had been married to a man named Brandon Boudreau for 11 years, but after becoming involved in Chad and Lori's beliefs, he said she changed. When she left him, she left their four children, who he eventually gained full custody of. Then, once again in the story, there was a heated custody battle. In September of 2019, Lori, Tylee, and JJ all moved to Rexburg, Idaho. It was reported that Tylee was going to stay in Arizona with a friend, but she didn't want to leave JJ because she was very protective of her little brother. Soon after, Melanie B. and Alex also moved to Rexburg into the same housing complex to be part of the group of people who usher in the 144,000. The last time anyone sees Tylee is on September 8, 2019 at Yellowstone National Park. Her, Lori, Alex, and JJ had taken the trip, and a photo from that trip is the last recorded sighting of her. That same day, Chad and Tammy signed an application to have Tammy's life insurance raised to the maximum amount the policy would allow. 
The following day, cell phone records show that Alex went to Lori's house at 3 o'clock in the morning, then traveled to Chad Daybell's property right near his pet cemetery. Chad's neighbors heard a gunshot that morning. Tammy Daybell was out of town visiting her family, and Chad would text her later saying that he shot a raccoon that morning and buried it in the pet cemetery. During this time, Lori is telling people that Ty Lee is staying with family. When her friend Melanie Gibb visits in the middle of September, Melanie notices that Lori is now talking about how JJ has turned into a zombie. Melanie sees Alex holding JJ on September 22, 2019, and that's the last time JJ is ever seen. The following day, at 10 o'clock in the morning, Alex's cell phone records show him on Chad's property near a pond. Lori withdraws JJ from school, claiming that he's going to be homeschooled. Idaho law does not require any sort of checks by the school district in order to homeschool a child. On October 2nd, in Gilbert, Arizona, someone in a Jeep drove up to Brandon Boudreaux's car as he was driving home from the gym and attempted to shoot him. It was later discovered that the Jeep was registered to the late Charles Vallow. The bullet shattered the driver's window and just barely missed his head. The exact same day, a ring was ordered using Charles's Amazon account. Photos would later show Lori wearing that same ring while in Hawaii with Chad. On October 9th, a man wearing a ski mask approached Tammy in her driveway while she was unloading groceries and pointed what she believed to be a paintball gun at her. He tried to fire, but the gun seemed to not work. She asked him what he was doing, but he didn't answer and eventually ran off. She notified the police, but eventually chalked it up to a prank. In reality, it's believed that what Tammy saw was a real rifle and that the masked man was really Alex attempting to murder her, but the gun jammed. On October 19, 2019, Tammy was found dead in her home. Police arrived, and when Chad refused to authorize an autopsy, they listed the cause of death as natural, and Tammy's body was buried. To be honest, they should have conducted an autopsy anyway. When a person dies relatively young, and Tammy was only 49, which is pretty young to die of natural causes, especially having no medical record that would explain an early death, usually an autopsy is done whether the family agrees or not. A 49-year-old woman who was in perfect health just weeks ago, dying in her sleep, is suspicious. Then you figure that just 10 days ago, someone in a ski mask pointed a gun at her. Plus, her husband had increased her life insurance the previous month. At the end of October, Chad received that $430,000 life insurance payment. No, no, not suspicious at all. Then, on November 5th, Chad and Lori flew to Hawaii and got married. In the wedding pictures, you can see Lori wearing the ring she purchased on Charles's Amazon account before Tammy died. Nope, nothing about this is suspicious at all. Sometimes it worries me just how dense some police investigators are. When Chad and Lori return from Hawaii, he starts telling people that Lori doesn't have any kids. To some people, he says her kids are all grown. To others, he says that Tylee died in 2017. By this time, relatives haven't heard or seen Tylee or JJ for months, and they begin getting concerned. They call the Rexburg police and request they do a welfare check on the children. On November 26th, Rexburg police do a welfare check of Lori's residence and ask where Tylee and JJ are. Lori tells them that they're both visiting friends in Arizona. While she's talking to the police, Chad called Melanie Gibb and told her not to answer her phone. 
The police called Melanie to verify, but when she didn't answer, Lori explained that she believed that they went to see a movie that day and were probably in the theater. The police left the residence, but when they finally contacted Melanie later that day, Lori's best friend told them the truth. She said that neither of the kids were with her and that she had no idea where they were. The following day, the Rexburg police arrived back at Lori's home with a search warrant, but Chad and Lori were gone. They searched both Lori and Chad's houses and found no sign of the couple or the missing children. Neighbors said that they saw Lori and Alex outside of Lori's house the night before, loading up a truck. They said they did not see the children. It turned out that Chad and Lori were off preparing for the second coming in sunny Hawaii. They checked into a resort in Kauai where reporters followed them around and watched as they lived it up in paradise. No children anywhere to be found. The reporters asked them repeatedly where Ty Lee and JJ are, but the couple just smiles and ignores them. On December 12, 2019, Alex Cox suddenly died. After Chad and Lori fled Idaho, Alex moved back down to Arizona where he had gotten married to a Chad and Lori follower just 10 days before his death. An autopsy revealed that Alex died of a blood clot, but most people believe he was poisoned. Chad and Lori spent months living in Hawaii and pretending that nothing was going on. They ignored all requests by authorities to tell them where the children were. Finally, on January 25, 2020, the Kauai police gave Lori a notice to produce Tylee and JJ to the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare or to the Rexburg Police Department within five days. The following day, they pulled over Chad and Lori, seized their rental vehicle, and searched their rented townhome. Reporters were there as the couple walked away, now without a vehicle, but they continued to ignore everyone. Where are your kids? No comment. No comment? They've been missing for four months. You have nothing to say? You're over here in Hawaii? Where are your children? Yeah, why don't you just give us a comment? Just tell us where they are. Chad, where are Lori's kids? What happened to Tammy, Chad? Can you tell us what happened to Tammy? Why have you guys been in Hawaii for so long? Listen, just tell people what's happening. There's people around the country praying for your children, praying for you guys. Why don't you give us answers? That's great. That's great. That's great that they're praying for you, praying for your kids, what? You have nothing to say? Did you do something to your children? Are your children still alive? That's a simple question. I've got three kids of my own. I can tell you every minute where my kids are at. Where are your children? Lori ignored the order to produce her children. Of course she did. You may notice that she always has this smug look on her face during this time. She believes that the end of the world is going to happen in July of 2020, so I don't think she takes any police threats seriously. I think that she truly believes that in six months, the second coming is going to happen, and she's going to be having a pool party with Jesus, and these cops and other dark spirits who are trying to punish her will all be dust. So, in February, she's arrested in Hawaii and extradited back to Idaho, where she continues to ignore anyone's request to tell them where her kids are. Not the authorities, not friends, not even family members. She will only go as far as to say, they're safe. And to her, they were. People want to take her claim of the children being safe as in our perception of the word safe. Unharmed, well taken care of, not at risk of illness, and most certainly, alive. But Lori means her version of safe. No longer at risk of being taken over by dark spirits. No longer living as zombies. 
She had to kill them in order to free them from being zombies, hence making them safe in heaven. They're safe. During the investigation, authorities find a storage unit that was rented by Lori that was filled with items that had belonged to both Tylee and JJ. Surveillance cameras had caught Lori, Alex, and Chad moving things into the storage unit over the course of months. It turned out that they were putting the children's belongings in there because, well, they didn't need them anymore. Authorities finally uncover the text messages from Chad to Tammy where he told her he buried a raccoon in the pet cemetery. They talked to family members who were able to point out on a map where the pet cemetery was on the Daybell property. They lined that information up with where Alex's phone records had pinged on the Daybell property in September and got a search warrant for Chad's property. On June 9, 2020, police and FBI searched the area around the pet cemetery and an area near the pond and found two sets of human remains. During the investigation, uh, the uh, investigators and detectives have recovered uh, what's believed to be human remains that are uh, not identified at this time. Uh, there, there is, I, I do want to add that uh, Chad Daybell, uh, who resides at that residence, has also been taken into custody uh, for questioning. Uh, in regards to that. When authorities discovered the first set of remains, Chad got into his vehicle and left his property. Police followed him and pulled him over about a mile away from his house. He was placed under arrest. The remains were positively identified as 16-year-old Tylee Ryan and 7-year-old J.J. Vallow. July 22, 2020 is the day that Chad and Lori had prophesied that the second coming would happen. That day came and went while both of them were in jail, and if it made Lori realize that she might have been wrong about killing her kids, it didn't show. The police, now suddenly believing Tammy's death was suspicious, exhumed her body and did an autopsy. The autopsy was complete in February of 2021, but the results have yet to be released. Even so, after Chad and Lori spent a year in and out of court, on May 24, 2021, the grand jury indicted Chad and Lori Daybell for charges of first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder in the deaths of Tylee Ryan, J.J. Vallow, and Tammy Daybell. Two days later, Lori is deemed incompetent to stand trial and committed to the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare, where she's remained to this day. Either she's putting on a really good act and is the most cold-blooded woman on the planet, or she truly believes in her doomsday theories and believed her kids were zombies that needed to die. And Alex must have truly believed it as well. He took his 16-year-old niece out in the early mornings, shot her, and buried her in a pet cemetery. Then he took his autistic 7-year-old nephew and killed him too and buried his body. Are we talking about the most evil brother-sister murdering duo who have successfully convinced everyone they're believers in a crazy cult? Or are they both mentally ill and truly believe in what they did? I mean, look at their father. They clearly inherited some faulty genes. On June 29, 2021, Lori was indicted by an Arizona grand jury for conspiracy to commit murder in the death of Charles Vallow. In August, the prosecution announced that they'll be seeking the death penalty for Chad Daybell. The case is still ongoing, but with the evidence against them, they aren't going to be acquitted. Chad will either get life in prison or the death penalty. Lori will either spend the rest of her life in a psychiatric facility or she'll be sentenced to life in prison. Hopefully, as the years go by and grow continually farther past July 22, 2020, the reality that her whole belief system was fake will set in and she'll realize what a horrible monster she is. 
but I wouldn't hold my breath. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please talk to your local battered women's shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. The great thing about this website is that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught looking for help. If you're having feelings of harm in yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility, call 911, or call Mental Health America, who operate the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and will talk to you about any mental health issue you might be facing. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can subscribe or follow the show to ensure you don't miss an episode, and you can leave us a rating on whatever podcast app you use. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that by checking out our merchandise at Teespring. You can also discuss the channel and the episodes on our subreddit, r forward slash thisismonsters. You can find more ways to support our show and how to find us on social media by visiting thisismonsters.com. Thanks again, and be safe. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license? You lose your job? You total your car? You kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. No. Good boy. Keep your hat on, pet. Why? We're playing dinner at the North Pole, remember? So we need to wear our big warm coats inside. When it comes to food or heat, many families will face impossible choices this Christmas. Please support the St. Vincent de Paul Annual Appeal. Donate locally or at svp.ie. Thank you. This Christmas, feel joy, gift joy and send them joy with the perfect gift at Arnott's. Explore an endless array of gifting that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Shop Irish at the Christmas market, support emerging new businesses with Pitch 22 or find something extra special from one of our world-class brands. Shop in-store and online at arnott's.ie. Life's full of things we can't depend on, like the Irish weather, predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for Lucky 7. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Certa, Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on, see CertaIreland.ie. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.